Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. I'm your host, Greg Gregory, where we help people understand the power of teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. This week, we're privileged to have with us a gentleman that I've had the uh, honor of knowing for about five or six years now, Rick Mims. And um, he's got more than 25 years worth of experience working in the service desk management area in the IT side of things. We met through a conference at HDI several years ago. Uh, over the years, Rick's had a number of leadership positions from enterprise service desk manager to manager of VP of operations uh, for global outsource provider. He's also served in many capacities with the HDI organization as the former president of Connecticut chapter, board member of the global training faculty, and HDI strategic service board that designed and authorized, authored the standards for IT service and support industry. Rick and I did meet at one of these HDI conferences several years ago, and um, we also quickly found out that we were both at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, at the same time on the opposite sides of campus. It really is a small world when you start to look at that. Today, Rick's moved on through film career, the United States military and the Army. We're going to talk about that. He's also... Um, works currently as a uh, ServiceNow practice director for the Precision Task Group headquartered in Houston, Texas. So joining us in Houston today, ladies and gentlemen, Rick Mims. Welcome, Rick. Thank you, Greg. Thank you very much. Glad hey, to I'm, be here. I'm great. I'm excited to have you joining us here on the uh, Teamwork Advantage. Um, there's a lot of folks that we have listening from all aspects of life. Um, and working in a COVID environment today, of course, one of the challenges, everybody's working from home. So I'm assuming that everybody's having IT problems somewhere along the board. So I appreciate the time that you're able to uh, carve out for us today. Sure. Um, it's more than just IT for you, though. It's customer service. Yes. So talk to us a little bit. Let's, let's go back pre-COVID, okay, before February of 2020, and go back five years from that. How have things changed in that period? And then let's look at it from since February up until present moment. How have things changed with COVID? Well, Greg, it's interestingly enough when um, you look at providing solutions to a client, you know, uh, I've been, uh, I guess I want to be careful in the way I would say this. I've been a service management consultant for many years now. And so I've had the pleasure of traveling from client to client organization to really feel uh, what they're looking for, to feel what their problems are, to um, see what the areas of uh, customer engagement uh, is like for these uh, organizations. You'll find that pre-COVID that organizations uh, in this country were still trying to uh, figure out who they are, who they are with the advent of uh, Idle 4 now, um, really bringing about, um, you know, talking about value streams and all of that. And I think it was somewhat, in my mind, confusing in some aspects. Um, I think most of the world right now is still operating off of Idle version 3, uh, which is a little more palatable, easier to understand. Um, and the way many of the systems... Let's do a little time out here. Let's, let's make sure uh, uh, that we're talking about some language that a lot of folks are going to understand. They may not understand the ITIL concepts and some uh, of that. Sure. Um, uh, ITIL, um, the acronym for IT Infrastructure Library, is a set of recommended best practices okay. uh, from a uh, 
the best way of doing business without getting too detailed with this. Right. Um, so it makes us makes a set of recommendations, a set of uh, best practice books out there um, that gives guidance to um, uh, strategic as well as tactical leaders so that they can really understand what their process, their business process outcomes are really all about. Um, makes recommendations for what should be measured and those types of things. So, um, Moving forward, the, the entire piece of this is where um, I've gone into client organizations and I've taken a hard look at um, their business process maturity, for example. Uh, it amazes me where the widening gap and uh, our dear friend Roy Atkinson, who is um, uh, one of our great industry gurus in this industry and um, a wonderful person all the way around. Absolutely. Um, he and I had a conversation recently about the ever-widening gap that exists between what the publishers in the various industry magazines say where we should be versus what's actual reality in these organizations. Um, so as these things begin to uh, continue to grow and evolve, um, we have to really work harder to uh, uh, adopt and adapt to business best practice, take those pieces, um, really begin to modify them as needed uh, within our own organizations to really begin to understand what it is we want in the way of overall business outcomes. Because let's face it, customer service in IT is going to be one area, uh, whether we're working internally or externally, could be slightly different and handled that way. Right. So there is not necessarily one specific aspect of it, no. is there? No, no, there's not one specific aspect at all. Even today, one of the things that, um, that is happening is you'll find that, and let me, if you don't mind, I'm going to take a 30-second step back in the industry. Um, Back in the day when I was a, uh, one of the uh, faculty members on the HDI, with HDI, one of the things that we used to always talk about is aligning IT with the business. We used to always talk about that, aligning IT with that of the business. Mm -hmm. If you're not aligned with the business, then you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to do in a nutshell. However, in order to align ourselves uh, better with the business, uh, we had to come up with a way to really understand what are some of the uh, processes that we need to execute on better, more efficiently, gain effectiveness in everything that we do. COVID has brought that, has kind of almost in a lot of ways changed the entire industry as we see it today. We had to address a re remote workforce we had to find ways to physically develop or deliver our services uh, to our, our uh, customers. Um, how do we uh, onboard? If you think about uh, something as simple as onboarding an employee during this COVID time, incredible effort to be able to do that. Uh -huh. So um, yeah, COVID has really changed a lot of the um, perspectives that we new in our former normal, as I would call it. Right. Now we have a different world um, and we have to certainly be ready to uh, address those things. 
Right. And there's the key factor, because when you start talking about onboarding and all the processes in the world are great, but they're almost useless without the right people working the right tasks. Yes. Now, and even with the tasks, then comes, okay, we figured out what the tasks are going to be. Fantastic. We know from the time a request comes in uh, from that manager, um, yeah, I've got a new employee. Um, they're going to start on Monday, but they're not starting on Monday in the office. They may be starting, your company may be in Phoenix, Arizona. This new employee may be in Philadelphia. Then cool. comes the timeliness and effectiveness of that process. In order for that individual to start work on Monday, when does this process actually have to be uh, executed upon uh, for the timeliness for that employee to start on Monday in Philadelphia, right? right. Yeah. And then how do we get them to communicate? And I'm assuming that some companies are not just onboarding one person at a time now, they're still mm -hmm. possibly onboarding, you know, three, four, 10 people at a time and especially with the changes that are going on. Yeah. So how has that impacted the teams within uh, your organization today? How have you been able to get your teams to work together better to better serve the organizations that you guys serve and of course sell to? Well, I think uh, several things, uh, Greg. I think uh, one, uh, one of the things that I do with my team, um, I meet with them not only to get the work done, but I also meet with them casually. Um, I know this is going to sound cheesy as heck, but, <laughs> but first off, I have a great team. I have a great team of individuals who care, okay, which is that part of the battle. I don't have to fight. They're mature. Don't have to get them to work. But the other thing that I do is I still do um, more of a rewards conference call, if you will. Uh, this week, I want to recognize um, uh, Mike or Andy for a job well done. Here, here was the, situ the problem statement. Um, they took it on, took, took the ball, and went right up the middle with it and got the customer well taken care of. Kudos to you. Uh, I even do things, um, we still do virtual happy hours type things. And, um, you know, we just get together to keep that camaraderie where it needs to be so that Working from home, you can very much feel alone as a team member, believe me. Oh, I mean, I've worked from home for over 20 years, except for when I get in an airplane and go to a, a client <laughs> site. Yeah. So absolutely, it's, it, yeah. it can be a daunting task, there's no doubt, especially for yeah. those who enjoy being around people. Mm -hmm. And there's that aspect, too, that we're not thinking about where um, I don't know that, you know, in our so-called new normal, if we're actually going to see the use of office space um, the way it used to be, you know, um, many companies have found that uh, employees have actually been more productive working mm -hmm. from home where 10 years ago, they used to say, no, we're not going to allow you to work from home because you won't be productive. Right. Well, the opposite we found to be true. Yeah. I saw a study about that where a large percentage of people are actually more productive. Mm -hmm. What we've got to be careful about, and this is one of the questions about you and you've already covered it is that you're doing the virtual happy hours and you're still keeping the socialization parts in place. Mm -hmm. Because one of the greatest things with any team is they have this sense of belonging, that they belong to something bigger than who they are. Mm -hmm. And by working alone, all of a sudden, that's almost individual siloing if we're not careful. 
Yeah. If you remember back to, you know, let's go to pre-COVID once again, you know, mm -hmm. um, if you read some of the industry articles, it would talk about how um, the majority of your life was your job because you had not only the job, you also had the social aspect of the job, hanging out with your coworkers by the water cooler in the break room, mm -hmm. um, knowing and understanding, oh my God, Julie got pregnant, we're gonna celebrate and can we all chip in uh, to buy her a cake, ice cream and balloons. Mm -hmm. um, these types of things are what was key to um, actually helping to meld a successful team together was everybody understanding and knowing and building and um, feeling of one accord. Now that aspect of things has gone away, most certainly. Right. Now, we all know the teamwork can actually come at us from almost any angle. Sure. Um, there's times that you'll run into <clears throat> a team that's strong and powerful, mm -hmm. uh, able to control themselves. Um, and that's easier built when you're in an environment with people. Mm -hmm. Then again, you're gonna run in sometimes where you run into uh, people that are more individualistic. Sure. And so now when you're trying to bring them together on a virtual basis, and IT is known for having people who are very individualistic, they're very task driven. Yes. How do you bring that out? How do you bring that out of people? I think that um, it goes back to um, one um, level of from a from a lead, from a leadership perspective. I think it goes back to um, pre-COVID. What was your relationship with your team in the first place? Right. That has a lot to do with it. Um, mm -hmm. If you were a successful team pre-COVID, um, it most you were delivering value to your customers. Um, if you're a shoddy team, however. Um, you just inherited more or you just brought about more shoddiness in yeah. your effort. Now, so working remotely is almost amplified, either the positive or the negative, either way. Exactly. In my opinion, I think mm -hmm. it amplifies what your, what your condition was pre-COVID. Um, and I say that due to the fact that uh, in most cases, um, hiring had already been, in many cases, shut down already. So the teams that are remote were probably the same teams that you had pre-COVID, okay? Right. Um, right. Everyone's trying to hang on to their jobs right now, okay? That's um, true. Um, so with that said, Greg, I think that um, it brings about a new set of skills for the manager, for the leaders, for leadership. You know, we call okay. them leadership skills. I think this whole COVID thing has brought about a new set of requirements as far as uh, really understanding who you are as a leader. Two different skill sets, being able to manage to people who you are looking directly at in the face and yep. are walking the same environment. Now we have a remote workforce. With that remote workforce then, how do you work to ensure that these people are actually doing their jobs? Well, you can utilize performance analytics, most certainly. Um, you know, and then also you make sure that that customer feedback loop that you have, those surveys are in place and are uh, meaningful and, uh, and have the right levels of adoption, right? And so between those two feeders, and I, I could go down a list, and that's right. most, mostly not an exhaustive list, but those are the two I would ride, ride with if I were, you know, uh, uh, new leaders in this situation today. Right. 
Now it's interesting. Like I said in in the introduction, you and I met several years ago at the uh, at an HDI conference. Yes, uh, we were both speaking on a panel uh, at that conference, and um, I had assumed that you had been in the information technology world pretty much your entire life. Uh, before we got on air today, we I learned that you have a an active background in the film and television production side. Yes, so. Tell me about that a little bit and what you learned back in that environment mm -hmm. briefly and how that's helped you build into the IT, because IT being a second, uh, second profession for you. Yeah. Um, back in those days, um, I, I, I always knew I wanted to be behind the lens of a camera. That was something very young, um, and I aspired it toward it and uh, got very successful with it, thankfully. So um, I've worked shows such as um, uh, I've, I've done contributing pieces to uh, Inside Edition, 60 Minutes, um, um, worked uh, six or seven uh, different um, major motion pictures, um, music videos, things along those lines. Mm -hmm. What was interesting in all of that and um, the teamwork aspect I remember at one point I was working for Procter & Gamble Productions and um, my boss walked into the office and he said, by the way, this, you know about this project, this project is going to be yours. And I said, what do you mean it's going to be mine? He goes, <laughs> you are directing it. I was like, oh, okay. Didn't realize that. So uh, all in all, end of the day, the crew turned out to be around 72 people, okay? Um, now with, uh, out of that, I've got about 12 department heads, you know, when I say department heads, um, the camera, the, the, uh, cinematographer, um, that department head takes care of everything related to the cameras, first assistant, second assistant, third assistant cameras. You've got the sound, you've got the lighting, you've got, uh, the grips, you've got everything. And so I always wanted to know what is a grip? A grip is a... And I hope no one in the industry is going to kill me for saying this. <laughs> a grip is all around. Uh, a grip is a guy who um, does everything and probably okay. one of the most valued members of the crew. Okay. I just never knew what a grip was. I, I always, I'm one of those people who will sit and read the credits at every movie and things like that. Yeah. And I just never knew what a grip was. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, so with that said, what I had to learn how to do in that situation was how to bring together a team of people in some cases that had never met before, uh, did not know how the synergy from one department to another was going to play. Now, the good thing is most of the experienced um, uh, lighting designers, uh, camera people, sound, all of these things, they have a certain expectation of their, in their minds of how things should go. And they set those expectations the moment they walk on the set. It's Good. a high level of quality. Um, they, they feel that in their minds, they don't want to be the one that's pointed out for failure. Um, so in the film industry, uh, the teams come together very quickly. They disperse very quickly. And then they go to another team and do the same thing all over again. It's a very interesting dynamic across the board, but it works very well. And while it may be one project, there's different teams that are doing different aspects of each project. 
Correct. And yeah. so, as, as I mentioned, you know, um, you know, uh, the logistics alone of uh, setting up a particular area along with, um, I'd say probably one of the largest efforts is the uh, lighting and making sure if you're doing a day scene, a night scene, a day for night scene, night for day scene, whatever it is, uh, we can, they, my team is, was so good. Uh, you'd run into certain problems and one of the things that uh, we would do in problem solving is uh, my department heads would gather around me. Right. Okay? And they would say, Rick, this is the problem statement, but here's what we're thinking we'd like to do to solve it. We just need your approval. Okay. Recommendations. They give me the recommendations and you guys think this will work. Yeah. We feel strongly that it'll work. Go for it. This is a great team dynamic and it worked very right. well. Um, and the interesting part of what you brought up is the fact that you, you, you might rock on set with somebody at you know six o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and you got to get that team all the way totally functioning by nine o'clock in the morning as they start to roll yeah absolutely and mm -hmm. it and it um you're definitely on a schedule you're on a production schedule that calls for um various elements just like it does in it our production schedules could be based on season it could be based on time of day it could be put bit uh uh, dependent upon position of the sun um, for certain lighting conditions. Uh, it could be based on um, um, local um, laws, things, you know, like mm -hmm. that. So it, there were a lot of things that came into play that made up that schedule and you had to meet that. Now, not saying there are days where it all went right. It didn't, <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, but that's the, that's the idea behind it. And IT, we have to work to understand that from a process, uh, procedural, supporting technology, and really work hard with organizational change. Those are the new items that have really come to bear uh, within, I'd say, the last year and a half to two years. Wow. Things are changing. I think they're going to yeah. change even more quickly down the line. Yes, they are. Now. I want to address another area of your life that I didn't necessarily know until today, you know, and that was um, you served in our United States military with the United States Army. Mm -hmm. I want to say, first off, thank you for your service. It's greatly appreciative. Uh, while I have never served on the active lines, I have a great deal of respect for anyone who has. So thank mm -hmm. you very much for your service. And listeners here to the Teamwork Advantage have probably heard several other military personnel that I've had the privilege to interview. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to go down a little different path here. Where did you do your basic training? Uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Probably you know wintertime, so it was probably nice and comfortable down there for you then? It was, uh, we began in February when it was nice and cold, then it progressed to the heat. <laughs> <laughs> and do you remember the name of your primary drill instructor? Drill Sergeant Zeiser. Yes. Drill Sergeant Zeiser. So here's the question. What did you think of Drill Sergeant Zeiser about the third day of your basic training? I hated his guts. <laughs> I hated his guts. And, um, and why, why is that? Well, um, one of the things that the military does, and you all know this more than likely, so uh, one of the things that the military does is it takes away the individuality in mm -hmm. order to build a team. 
right. uh, what your thoughts and perspectives are on the way you think that things should run. Um, they want things to run the way they want them to. Now, the military, what's interesting about the military is you train so much on the same thing to where it becomes reflex. Yeah. In a situation where you might normally panic, you might panic, but your approach to that panic is going to be in the way they trained you. Your hands are going to move, your eyes are going to move, your you're, you're going to do everything the way that it was trained because you have trained on this thing ad nauseum. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was the, I thought so, that was the interesting aspect of it. So, Drill Sergeant Zeiser, you couldn't stand him. You hated his guts on the third day. So, what did you think of that same Drill Sergeant at the end of basic training? We were the best of friends. Um, we were on the same page. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we had developed me, um, given me a level, level of discipline. Uh, to think things through before I execute on them. Where as a young man, your first thought is to execute first, think later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Drill Sergeant Zeiser actually brought about not only the discipline, but the know-how and the wherewithal to conquer problems uh, as they arise or would arise in my life and being able to uh, do better problem solving. And that most certainly uh, has impacted me to this day. Right. It's interesting because I have asked that question of military personnel all over the United States and the responses are the same. And we didn't preface this. We didn't practice this in advance. You had no idea I was going to ask these questions. Um, But uh, I had a Marine one time in my program. I said, what do you think of your, uh, your DI on the third day of basic training? And he basically said in a very casual sitting back, I want to shoot the SOB. <laughs> then I, I said, what did you think at graduation? Yeah. I'm sorry, say that again? I was trying to keep it clean for you. <laughs> <laughs> then I asked him, what did you think at graduation? In a class of about 40 people, we're doing an all-day training, that gentleman stood up, came to full attention in the room, he double-tapped his heart, and he said, mano a mano, brother to brother, or take a bullet for Staff Sergeant Vasquez today, sir. And it's been over 30, 25 years since I've seen him. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. And that's, that's key because now that's leadership, okay? You're taking something and you're molding it. You're building the team all the way through. And that's kind of what you've talked about in your aspects with information technology. Mm-hmm. It's what you've talked about with the film. Mm-hmm. It, so it kind of all comes back to what you did in the military. <laughs> I was in uh, the President's Honor Guard Unit, 3rd Infantry in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and we did everything ranging from uh, the typical White House dinners to funerals, uh, et cetera, et cetera. My role in that, uh, I did some ceremonial, but uh, I actually enjoyed more of the tactical Uh, logistical aspect of my career at that time. So uh, my job was to provide uh, everything logistically that uh, the U.S. Army drill team needed. Um, I made sure um, from a supply uh, aspect that the too many unknown soldier units had what they needed. Um, We housed probably some of the most beautiful flags uh, in our unit that I've ever seen, that mm-hmm. um, each one of the flags that we utilize uh, in our unit are, are hand-stitched um, and just made for some beautiful material and all of that. So those things 
Uh, when I look at the historical value of the work that I did day to day, it really makes me proud. Good. Well, and you should be proud. It's, it's, a, it's a privilege to serve in any capacity, and the way that you were able to do it is just awesome. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I tell anybody if they get the opportunity, if they're visiting Washington, D.C., is they need to take the time. Absolutely. Of course, COVID right now is not there and not able, but go up to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Um, the changing of the guard. And watch the changing of the guard. Yes. Um, several years ago, uh, the area was struck by Hurricane Isabel. 2003. Mm -hmm. yep. And Congress actually gave permission to the guard to stand down during that storm. Correct. Correct. And they've done that with several snowstorms and blizzards. It becomes a safety issue at that point. Understand. And they don't stand down. Yeah. Understand. But other than that, you never stand down. Right. And they didn't stand down then. No, they, they stood there. They stood there and they walked. They had somebody come out and shovel the walkway every five minutes for them, making sure the walkway was clear. Mm -hmm. And they never stood down. Yeah. It's that is, that's precision and teamwork. It's a precision and teamwork thing. And these guys have a level of discipline that's in the level of detail. Um, you're talking measuring each and every individual position of every badge and everything you see on the front. Um, on the front of them is carefully measured and carefully placed. Uh, and everything has a specific purpose. There's, there's no ambiguity here whatsoever. And I think we can learn from that in our everyday lives of personal life, professional life, um, regardless of what we're doing, because we have to come together as a team. And there's a reason behind that. Mm -hmm. There's, there's also that thing I, I think I learned while I was in there as well. Um, it was life-changing for me as a young man uh, in my early 20s, um, where my level of attention to detail uh, changed. I used to just, like most young men, I would not pay attention to, you know, uh, to detail uh, mm -hmm. in the things that I did. So I would try to work to accomplish what I was told to accomplish, but I'd do a shoddy job at it or right. it wouldn't be at the level of quality that I knew I could do. I just want to get through it so I could move on to the next big thing, you know? Right. Yeah. So it most certainly changed that for me in my life. Right. And I think that that's critical that we all learn that uh, along the way as we go. Mm -hmm. Let's bring this full circle. Let's go back to uh, information technology a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you said yeah. something early on um, that, it's important for the IT department to align itself with business. Sure. In light of everything that's going on today, taking from what you've learned from the military, what you've garnered within your time uh, in film production, mm -hmm. and everything in that direction all the way through, and again, especially right now with COVID, how can IT, but in general, any team, what are some steps leaders can do to with their teams to really get them to align more with the general business model of their organization? Well, I think that starts at the top, Greg. I think uh, strategically, um, you know, your CIOs, your IT directors, et cetera, have to mm -hmm. set the tone first. Um, I, you know, in working with many of these organizations, I have to quite often help the strategic leadership actually set in motion, what is it you want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. Kind of like what Staff Sergeant Zeiser did. Exactly, exactly. What is it you want to accomplish? Now, let's set a plan in motion to accomplish this. 
Let's think about um, from a strategic perspective, your overall service portfolio. Um, what is it you want to deliver to your customers? Is it in line with what the uh, business needs? Mm -hmm. Is everything you're going to set in motion, does it help actually maintain the tempo of business? When you talk about alignment, you talk about tempo of business. If IT is too slow for tempo of business, IT is then seen as a detriment rather than an asset. Hence, you get outsourced. Okay. okay. Now, let's keep going. So now we know and we know and understand what we want. Now let's go to the tactical level. The tactical level management is where um, I'm actually managing the employees. This is where I'm getting the employees to do those things that overall support the strategy that was set in motion by senior management. Now we're working with our team leaders. We're working with our supervisors. We're working with all of these various cogs and elements uh, that need one, they need um, clear cut job descriptions. They need mm -hmm. to understand what they're brought there first to do. Number two, uh, I need to know how much of is gonna, am I being measured against? What does that look like? Okay, what are my own performance analytics gonna be? Thirdly, um, although down the ladder, uh, compensation is key to that as well. Okay, mm -hmm. they've got to take care of their families and their whatever's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. uh, fourth, you've got to provide them with the tools that they need to actually do the job effectively and efficiently. Okay, um, now, once again, not an exhaustive list, but at a high level, those are some of the key things that that is needed in order to right now really affect uh, your remote workforce. Um, okay. Yeah. I would, I'm going to stop there because I could mm -hmm. keep going for a while. <laughs> I could gather that. I know uh, we're tight a little bit on time here, and I'd like to keep the podcast to about 30 to 35 minutes. Sure. Um, I'd like to have you back again sometime. We can talk a little bit more in detail. Absolutely. I this is a great forum, and I love working with you. Yeah, it's a privilege. I mean, I, I enjoy chatting with you, and you and I could talk all day about everything. <laughs> um, but folks, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a privilege. Rick Mims, uh, currently he is working with the uh, ServiceNow Practice Director for the Precision Task Group headquartered in Houston. He's also, of course, worked with great companies like BP America and Shell Oil as transition managers. Um, you get a chance to ever hear Rick speak, be sure to go there. <laughs> Remember, this podcast is all about teamwork, leadership, and culture. As I always say, do not have a good day because having a good day is being average. If you're on this podcast, and Rick, you're not average. So go make it a great day. Thanks, everybody. Until Thanks. next time, Thank make you. it a great day.